still follow certain routines. That routine I refuse to make a New Year's resolution. It's still a routine. So we still all have routines. I like to make New Year's resolutions. Uh, there's not anything that's particularly different this year that reminds me the first of last year or uh, God willing, the New Year comes next year. There's just an idea about it, though, that helps us to reflect, give some introspection. It's a good moment to do that. It feels like a good moment to do that anyway for most of us. The difficulty is found in this fact that many simply don't know what to do to give their life true and meaningful purpose. They have all kinds of resolutions, but, but what are those resolutions? Well, oftentimes, there we go, oftentimes those resolutions have more to do with frivolity than they do with real, grounded, soul-searching things. I know that we all know this is true, and I know that we all have done it or do it from year to year. Probably for most of us, losing weight is not nearly as important as studying more often from God's Word. See what I mean by the difference in things? Oftentimes, the things that we put up as life-changing are not really life-changing in a general way of speaking. Many often don't think big enough, and there they fail to center their life on truly meaningful things that make an eternal impact in their life and in the year to come. Well, Jesus has three answers, three musts for 1 A.D., Year one. The nice thing is, is that from year one until year 2023, it hasn't changed. Those are still life-saving and life-changing influences that he speaks about here in our text this morning. I'd like to invite you to turn with me to Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9. We'll begin there reading in just a second. We're going to see where Jesus says, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits his soul. I've got nothing here. If you could bring me a, a different remote, maybe, or change the batteries on this one. Or What one were you using this morning, Sam? That worked great. Thank you. Appreciate it. Luke 9, and in verse 25 of this text, Jesus says, What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself, your version may say, forfeits his soul. That's a sobering question that we all should be thinking about. When anyone seriously considers their future, this should be the first thing, shouldn't it? The soul, who we are, what is the core of who we are. If we lose that, but we lose weight, what have we really gained? I mean, I'm just using that as an example. We could use a thousand different things. There might be a new, new, new Year's resolution, right? But I'm only using that in the sense that that's often one of the main things that people think about when they think, it's a new year, I'm going to get my health club membership going again. I, I, I mean, I did that for four or five years. Finally, I just quit. I gave up on that. It's not going to happen. Some, some resolutions are worth making and others just don't seem like it, right? So anyway, you get the point that I'm making, and that is that God, uh, God, Jesus, is saying there are important things and then there's some lesser important things. And we need to center on the greater important things first before those other things. It's great to see everybody this morning. I didn't say good morning when I got up here this morning. I don't want to 
forget to do that. It is good to see everybody here on the first of the year. Hope that uh, your year, uh, well, I know that it started out pretty good already if you're here and uh, appreciate your presence, everyone, both guest as well as member alike. And uh, do hope that you will turn to Luke chapter 9, follow along. We'll be looking from this text. We're getting ready to read from there together. And if, uh, if you feel like that, well, I don't really need to do that. I already know my Bible, then that would be an indication that you should probably pull out your Bible and look at it, because people who think they know the Bible, most of the time don't actually know the Bible. So let's so open it up and look at it with me. Make that one of your New Year's resolutions, okay? From now on, when we read from the Bible, I want to read from the Bible. I don't want to just hear from the Bible. I want to read from it. I want you to read from it. That it's going to make you a stronger individual, and there's something about our vision on those words that make a difference about us. Now, I realize not everybody can do that. Some people have bad vision. Other people are grappling with children. I get it. I'm just saying if you can, it's a great idea to do it. And so take out, if you don't have your Bible with you, maybe you have one on your phone, or maybe you want to use the one in the pew there in front of you. If you don't own a Bible, you take that one that's with you in the front of you there in the pew And uh, that'll be our gift to you in your home. Jesus predicts some things in Luke chapter 9 that are, well, they're surprising. Notice what he says. Verse 22. Luke 9, verse 22. The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed on the third day to be uh, on the third day be raised verse 23 and he said to all if anyone would come after me let him deny himself take up his cross and follow daily and follow me verse 24 for whoever would save his life will lose it but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words, of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. I think it's a great time for us to stop for just a second. We got our heads in the book right now. Let's just close our eyes for a moment. And let's pray to God together. Father, thank you for another day of worship today. May it please you in every way. May it be from your book in spirit and in truth. Pray, Father, that you will transfer the print from the pages of this book deeply into our lives. And Father, if we have read this section of text before, I pray that you will give greater insight, that we read it with vision and allow it to impact our lives as you have designed it to do, no matter how old we get, so that we may honor you better, glorify you more with the life that you've given us this year. As Jesus instructs the twelve, Father, let him instruct us as well. We may, not, may we not forget what we are looking at this morning. Father, continue to improve our lives this year, that we may improve the lives 
of all who are around us as light and salt to your honor and to your glory. And may we give thanks for continued life and prosperity from 2022 and now to look forward to all that you will do this year. And it's in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior, we pray it. Amen. All right, so I want you to notice Luke's recording here is brief. You may already know that, especially now that we've read it. But it's also very specific in its nature. Jesus questions them about what others are saying about him, first of all. And Peter resounds, and this is what it was really all about. Jesus didn't care what everybody thought of him personally. He wanted the disciples to understand who he was, and he's looking for the answer that Peter gives. You are the Christ of God. That word Christ means Messiah. It means divinely anointed one, one who is holy or set apart for divinity's purpose. And with that confession, which can also be found in the book of Matthew chapter 16, as as well as Mark chapter 8, and which you and I still confess today as God's people. Jesus then launches into a subject matter that they did not know they were ready for. Only Jesus knew they were ready for it, and they have a hard time dealing with it. And Jesus knew they would. He presents to them the whole concept from here on, of the cross, and what that was going to mean, what that did mean. For example, for him to begin with, the word cross has never appeared in this gospel account until right now. Chapter 9, verse 23. First time in this gospel account where you read the word cross. And here it is, suddenly, it seems like, out of nowhere. What in the world is what he's talking about have to do with a cross? may seem like nothing to you and me, but it meant something to them. Can you imagine what they must have been thinking about as Jesus is talking to them about his resolution to do this thing? What he planned for his future? These are the men who'd left everything to make a future with Jesus. They put all their eggs, so to speak, in one basket, his. These were the men who who invested everything they had. In fact, Peter even says, we've given everything to follow you. They're all in. When it came to Jesus' kingship and they're reigning alongside him in his coming kingdom, they're all in. And here Jesus is in verse 22 telling them his future plans didn't look anything like what they had in mind. His future plans were completely different, suffering many things, being rejected by the religious leaders, to be killed, and then even more implausible and, quite frankly, just outrageous to say, on the third day, be raised. What in the world is he talking about? Now, you may say in your mind right now, I've read this a hundred times before, maybe this is the first time you've read it, but if you've read it a lot, then you may be saying in your mind, well, I know exactly what he's talking about. Do we? Really? Really? Without thinking about it a little bit more, do we really? 
Without skipping a beat, Jesus moves directly into what all this means for them and their future. Now that is what he's really getting at. That's really the point of his discussion. You see, them knowing about what was coming for him made little difference. They're not changing it. They're not influencing it. They're not swaying it. It is what it is because he's God and he will do what he resolves to do. Right? So then why is he saying it? He's saying it for them. He's saying it for their understanding. He's saying it for their perspective. Do you see what their perspective is? Not only was Jesus planning to carry a cross and die on a cross, he intended for each one of them to do exactly the same thing. You see, I told you, we might read that and not really have a clue what he's getting at there. That's what he's getting at. Everyone who will follow me will take up a cross daily and they will follow that way. I would say that before we move on in our study, we need to remove ourselves from the 21st century cross concept, and we need to truly consider the historical concept. Now, maybe you've heard lessons on what happened to a person on the cross. That's not what I'm doing this morning. That's not our focal point. It's a great study, however, because we recognize better what all went on when Jesus was on that cross, physically speaking. But we all understand the physical consequences of the cross were not anything to measure up to the spiritual consequences. What happens spiritually between the forces of darkness and good, now that's important to know. That's what matters to us. In the first century, ladies and gentlemen, there was no cross jewelry that people wore. In the first century, in the synagogues and in the temples or other places of worship, there were no crosses as decorations on the outside or the inside of the building. In the first century, people didn't put pieces of artwork up in their home that highlighted the cross. And they didn't own Bibles that had covers with a cross on it. Now, let, let me say, I'm just saying right up front, I have no problem with displaying the cross. But I'm just saying to you, it doesn't mean to us what it did to them when he talked about the cross. Until we start studying it, contemplating it, and trying to get the first century perspective on it all. Because you see, we use the cross as something beautiful. But it wasn't beautiful in the first century. As you know, the first century people heard those words. They did not think of the things that I have here on this chart, on the, on the overhead. What they thought of was death. And not just some simple death. Got in a car wreck and it was clean and over. No, this death was prolonged. It was purposed. And it was only reserved for the worst kind of people who did not deserve to live among a society. It was a horrible way to go. And my point in all of this is just simply to bring out for the Christians in the first century, bearing a cross meant something different than it might to many people today. And I want you to think of it so that we don't miss that point. First of all, this was a personal cross. If you wish to come after me, who? You who? Justin, if you wish to come after me, 
Jamie, if you wish to come after me. Nathan, if you wish to come after me. David, if you wish to come after me. Karen, if you wish to come after me. Jennifer, if you wish to come after me. Caitlin, if you wish to come after me. Linda, you see the point? Put your name there. Maybe I mentioned, these are only uh, names that more than one person in the church has. So that's why I used them. (laughs) We don't know who I'm talking to. So you put your name there. What is your name? If you, whoever you are, wish to come after me. Secondly, I'd like for you to notice out of this text, it is a choice. And that is found in that word, if. I'm sorry, it's not coming out right on the chart, but at least you get the point. If. If you wish. Criminals had no choice in the first century whether they were going to carry a cross and be sacrificed or killed on a cross. Jesus was no criminal. He did it intentionally. Didn't have to do it. Could have stopped it. He chose the cross. He sees each one of us, brothers and sisters, as followers of His, choosing the cross for our future too. If you wish to be a disciple of Jesus, if you more than all else desire eternal life with God, if you are all in in your Christianity... If you're not just messing around with Christianity, pretending, playing with it, if it's really something for you, if it really means something to you, that's who Jesus is talking to. Third, you'll notice in this text, this is written in the imperative. In other words, it's essential. If you want to really make a difference in your life, This is a must. Deny. Self. I want you to notice in this text that he does not ask you to have leadership skills in order to be followers of him. Now you might, and you might develop that by following him, but that's not what he's asking for, for everyone. You don't have to be at the top of your class if you're still in school or college. You don't have to be ugly in order to follow Jesus. You don't have to be beautiful to follow Jesus either. You don't have to have oratory skills, and you don't have to have a lot of things. But here's one thing you got to have. you got to have the ability to deny self. Deny self. You don't have that, you don't make the cut. Period. Well, i got all these other things to offer. I'm, I'm great at music, or I'm great at this, or I'm great at that. I can drive a car real fast. It doesn't matter. What matters is, do you have the ability to deny self? That's the important part of that phrase. So a narcissist will never make this cut. It cannot be done. Someone who can't get outside themselves are everything except what is necessary according to Jesus' teaching. Jesus says if you want to be a follower of him, it will mean we willingly give up our own way. Or as he says it here, deny Self. I am in my 34th, I think, 
maybe it's 35th, 34th, I think, year of marriage. Going on 35, maybe that's right. Everybody's looking at Angie. She says, that's right, that's right. <laughs> and do you know that every day is a matter of dis- denying self and putting God and spouse first? That's true for her. That's true for me. And if you're married, that is true for you. That's what Jesus is talking about. But that's not the only thing, obviously. In my business plans, I willingly will put him first and deny myself. Yeah, but this may come out to my betterment. Look at all the money I'll make or look at all the time I'll have off. If I just do this or I do that, that I know isn't quite right, but I can get away with that. If you are to follow after me, Jesus says, you will deny self. I'm contemplating a move. What do I do if I deny self? It means, God, show me your way in this move of life. Deny self, I know what I want. What do you want? I'm in love. I'm thinking about proposing. I mean, not me personally. I'm married. Uh, person says, I'm in love. I'm thinking about proposing. Denying self means bringing that other person before Jesus Christ and asking, is this the one you want me to spend my life with? Will they influence our family for good for God? One political and religious author got me to thinking more about some of this when I read from one of his works. He rightly makes the observation, and I'd like to read you just a little piece of that book, Disciples' Realization That Christ Is Who He Says He Is Compelled Them to Obedience. That's a great title. Understanding this is crucial For it distinguishes Christianity from all other world religions. The Christian faith does not rest merely on great teachings or religious philosophies. Nor does it rest upon the charisma of a leader. Nor one who uh, succeeds in raising moral values. Not upon the skill or eloquence of its advocates. Now that that may sound confusing, but listen to this. If it did, it would be no different from the religions of Buddha or Confucius or Muhammad. Some see all religions as the same, but Jesus' religion distinguishes itself in that it is based wholly on truth. Jesus lived, died, and rose from the dead to the Lord of all who would believe. With that understood, Christianity must evoke from the believer today the same thing it did generations before us. Listen to this. A passionate desire to obey and please God to willingly enter into true discipleship. Now that's a real long way of saying a little bit. The point is, true discipleship discipleship as Jesus says, starts with the word 
No regarding temptation. Deny self. That oftentimes means no. We don't like that word in our day. We only want to hear yes. If a person only wants to hear yes, they're not going to make it in this category. I have to be able to deny self. And this word no must be applied to no one more than self. It starts with saying no to the one that you have been taught to put first in your life. Saying no to the one that you admire the most, more than anyone else in the world. The one that we make pretty or handsome. The one that we plaster on the best pose or with the best poses on Instagram and Facebook and TikTok or whatever. The one that we think about more often out of the day than anyone or anything else in our life. We have to be able to deny that one and say no to that one and yes to God and to God's ways. What do others think of me? I want to present myself and my life as beautiful, trouble-free, what everyone else covets. Why? Because that's what everyone wants. The first thing this new year, brothers and sisters, that we may do well to apply is to deny self. And I pray that God will help each one of us to do that better this year, as again, even if we were doing it last year, to seek to put him and his will for us first in our life. Second thing, and the other two points are not nearly as lengthy, so I appreciate your patience this morning. The second thing we notice here is that we're to take up our cross, and then I want you to notice that word daily. That's not an accident. Daily. This word is intentional with regard to the intensification of the word self-denial. Deny self. Condemned criminals who were crucified were seen carrying or dragging their cross to the place of death. It was a one-way trip. I want you to imagine that's what the first century disciples in their cultural setting thought of when they heard Jesus use this term. A cross that was drug from where one is to a place of death daily. Daily. For us, some of those crosses can be private crosses, and sometimes they're very public. But I will tell you, ladies and gentlemen, there was never a cross anyone died on that was easy. It did not represent easy. During COVID, some of us faced the cross of fear. We had to evaluate our spiritual condition before God. Would we be carrying the cross of fear truly on a daily basis? Or was that cross bearing really only when our life was not in question? Cross bearing was hard. We had to make a choice. And people are still out there in cyber territory making that choice. Some lost loved ones last year, or the year before, or the year before. And they had to bear a cross of loneliness, a cross of sorrow, 
It was a daily cross. And maybe it still is. Some may be bearing the cross of sacrificing their own desires resulting or, or, or with regard to temptations that they face every single day of their life. On this cross, we can see all kinds of sins. You and I can see those sins more clearly than the person sitting next to us because, as I said, some of those crosses that we nail, some of those things that we nail up there on that cross, they're very private things that we've nailed there. No one else knows about them. Some of them are very public. Everyone knows about them. All kinds of sin and restraint. All kinds of items which we've nailed there, which in time past coveted us, captivated us, bound us, held us against His own best interest in our life. Those who bear a daily cross are those who used to be sexually immoral people. Is it crazy, brothers and sisters, ladies and gentlemen, to keep our hands off that young woman until you're married to her? Is that crazy? Or is it sensible based upon what you know about daily cross-bearing and what God himself says? That may be a problem, but you can do it and I'll help you to do it. But you have to want to if you'll follow me. If. Some were idolaters. They knew what it meant to put God before all other things in their life. You and I might have the sin of idolatry nailed to the cross that we carry as we follow Jesus daily. Some were adulterers. They nailed infidelity to that cross and they have chosen Jesus over self-gratification in their life. Paul says some of those were practicing homosexuals, but they nailed that to the cross. It's not who they were going to be in following Jesus. Some were thieves, and some were greedy, and some were drunkards. The Lord overpowered the unquenchable thirst for escape and has become their all-giving source of life in their life. Some were revilers, full of insults in other words, angrily abusing others verbally. Some were swindlers. They used deception to deprive others of money or possessions that were due them. The apostle teaches none of these things, none of these people will inherit the kingdom of God. But then notice he says, such were some of you. Now, I would just point out, brothers and sisters, that is still true for us today. There are those that are here in this place, right here, this morning, who have denied self in all of these ways and many more that the apostle doesn't name off. And boldly, unashamedly, and in the sight of all who would see the whole world, if necessary take up their cross, they have put to death those things, and they have begun following, carrying their cross with Christ. You see, we live in a day when too many people think it can't be done. And what Jesus is saying is it absolutely can. And you can do it. 
Now, I'm not saying we can do it on our own, but we've got someone who's been there. And we've got someone who still carries that cross daily as he passes that cleansing on to you and me. We follow someone who knows what he's talking about. Jesus says, if anyone would come after me, let him follow me. And I would say to you, that's the last point this morning. It is not just about denying self. It is not just about a cross that we carry. It is about following, having a pathway that is set before us. What are your New Year's resolutions this year? Do you even know what they should be? I'll tell you something. We don't if we don't know the path. If we're not putting the path in front of us, if we're not holding the lamp before us, We don't let the disappointments, and here's what I'm getting at, brothers and sisters. We don't let the disappointments, we don't let the failures, we don't let the pain in life dictate for us worshiping our God, honoring our God, and being the person who follows Him daily. Bring it on is what we say. That doesn't mean we're statistic. It just means we already have decided there will be nothing that stops me from following my God daily with this cross. i got to decide that. I have to know that up front. Jesus is saying, know this for yourself. This was the view that Paul exemplified when he said, I press on toward the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I press I press on. I don't lay back. I don't quit. No matter what life may include, you and I and we as a family will continue to press on because anything else, brothers and sisters, will end in misery and destruction. But with God, we know all things work together for good in our life when we put Him where He belongs, when we follow Him like we said we would, when we have laid down those other things, nailed them to the cross, and decided to follow all in. All in. A thread which runs throughout all these passages is a belief that results in our Obedience, and that's a key word. Obedience. It's more than verbal consent. It's more than sacrificial or superficial, superficial, I should say, superficial acceptance of his teachings and his commands. In other words, you've got to do more than know it. You've got to do it. Following is not part of our life, ladies and gentlemen. Don't miss the point. It is our life. It permeates everything. There's nothing off, off, off the plate for this thing. It is everything. Our words, our actions, our relationships. Contrary to what our lost world is constantly promoting, God actually tells us it will never end badly when we deny self, take up one's cross daily, and follow For whoever would save his life will lose it. I give it up to him. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits himself? Maybe this morning you're sitting here thinking on these things and 
have just simply got to confess you're forfeiting your soul. You might have it all together on the outside. Maybe the inside's all screwed up. Today's the day. This is the year you'll be able to look back on and you will say 2023 is the day I died. That was the day Jesus brought me to life. That was the time I started anew. That's what God's calling for if you're in that condition. If you need to make that commitment today, we're ready to talk to you in private if that's what you want. Or if you know what you need to do and you're ready to do it this morning and you don't care who knows it and you're willing to come forward at this point and confess Jesus to be the Christ, to turn away from a life lived in sin and to be baptized for the forgiveness of sin and that Jesus will add you to his great saved body. If you need to do that this morning, why don't you make that happen right now while together we stand and as we sing.